0: Welcome back to Talking Baseball. We got special guest Taylor Hearn joining us on the show today. Let's do it. What's going on everybody? Welcome to Talking Baseball. My name is John Boy. I got Trev with me. We got Jake here, producer of BBDs with us. And we have another interview coming your way. We just wrapped up with Texas Ranger, Texas Ranger Taylor Hearn. Uh, he made his debut last year, got hurt. Uh, crazy story. Got drafted a bunch, got traded a bunch. We covered it all. Jake, Trev, how do you think it went, Trev? You like talking to these young guys, huh?
1: I do. I think that's kind of what we need to say about old Taylor. Is he's a freak, and you know I love the freaks, especially on the mound. Six five, lefty, bringing the cheese. And we approached a couple of different topics about that. We talked about bullpen. We talked about letting it eat for what inning. What could he do with that? But as always, pitchers love the starting role, and I think he wants to stay there. But I wouldn't be surprised, you guys. I would not be surprised if we had a Josh Hader, Amir Garrett, Andrew Miller, tall lefty that could just come in and shut people down. I think that's kind of what the Rangers have in, in
0: Taylor. Uh, uh, everyone listening, you'll hear this, but Trev asked him at one point if he could, if he could get to a hundred, and he was kind of like,
1: "I have, dude." Yeah, like punch, whatever. <laughs>
2: yeah, whatever. Get Jake, what? What do you yeah. got, Jake? Uh, Taylor's awesome. Uh, good baseball stuff, good life stuff. And, uh, yeah, uh, ploof, I'm, I mean, I feel like I, I big time biz you a little bit, but like you got a start in pitcher, you know, don't tell him about the bullpen, bro. He knows it's out there, but I, I think the bigger thing, and I, I mentioned it, so I don't want this to be too my own horn, but there's a position in baseball that's forming. That's just a weapon. It's give me two or three out of the pen and, like, let's win this game. And, I mean, guys like Hader uh, are already doing this. And, dude, if this if this guy's numbers are what they are and he's hitting on the gun and he can control it a little bit, um, like, I, I think it's the future of baseball. Whenever I'll spin this to Yankees, as we always do, but whenever Jabba Chamberlain gets mentioned in Yankeeland, me and Jimmy say how he, he was 10 years too early because they would have said, oh, okay, you don't need to close, you don't need to start, Let's get you in the two to three most important innings of this game and just mow people down. And, uh, I mean, the league's obviously heading there in different ways. But, uh, yeah, man, with the expanded roster and with guys not being stretched out, if we get this baseball season, like, uh, I think Taylor Hearn's going to be twirling the pill and get get a real opportunity, and I'm excited for that.
0: Yeah. All right, let's throw it uh, right to the interview, and then we'll wrap up a little bit. Here he is. <laughs>
2: We are joined by Texas Rangers pitcher Taylor Hearn. Taylor, how you doing, man?
3: Oh man, I'm doing good. Doing good. Just um, taking it day by day in this pandemic and with the virus, and just waiting for the season to start. Hopefully.
2: Yeah, man. We're uh, we're we're gonna be fast friends. We're gonna we're gonna talk some baseball. We're gonna talk some life. So let's uh, let's do it, man. Let's do it, man. Where yeah. where are you coming from right now?
3: Um, I'm staying I'm in downtown Dallas. I uh live down here now. So I kinda got okay. out I got out of Royce City um just to move closer to the stadium. But uh but yeah, so I'm closer to food I can just walk and go to stuff now, so it's a little bit easier.
2: Hey Amen. I uh I actually lived in Dallas for a couple years and I uh I missed the food really bad. The Tex Mex, uh tacos, y Mas was my side. I'll I'll get off of that for now. I'll let the other guys talk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I want to let you know that um, we talked before the show a little bit. You know, said hi. But one thing I left out is I'm pretty good buddies with uh, your spring training roommate, Scott Heineman. So I got to yeah. ask a few questions about you before we got on. <laughs> <laughs> and Scotty's not shy. Scotty shares everything. I'm sure. Oh know. no. hmm
3: Yeah, Scott's <laughs> not scared to say whatever's on his mind and share it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, we had uh, we had Lance Lynn on and I also I asked, I said, man, you know, you know, Scotty Hyman. He said, oh, he's always walking on his tippy toes. He's got his shoulders back. Loving. You know, he shows off his muscles. I encourage anyone that just listens to the pod to go and Google Scott Hyman, kind of see what you're what we're talking about. And you'll see right away. This guy is like a, he's like a cartoon character.
3: He walks with briefcases under his arm every day. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he told us some stuff about you. Okay. Um one, he said, "Big gamer." So, Very
3: true. what's
1: he? He told me you're an NHL guy. He said you claim to be the best in the clubhouse. Is that something that you're going to back up here, on the, in the spotlight? It's going to be recorded. Do you back that statement up?
3: I uh, I 100% back it up. 100%. Okay. NHL for sure. Um, FIFA. Ooh, FIFA. And. Uh, MLB the show—that's a different story. There's there's some guys in there that played way more than me, but uh, yeah, NHL, FIFA, and uh, I would say Madden. I've been getting back at it, but you Mm. know, Madden, Madden for sure though. But FIFA and NHL are the big ones. Do you have a team in NHL that I play with? Uh, See, see, so I've gotten kind of used to playing with other teams. So I play with. uh, I used to play like San Jose, and then sometimes I play with. uh, uh, Vegas. Um, who else? Uh, St. Louis has a blues. They got a pretty good team defensively, too. But uh, it used to be the stars, but when I play Jose Trevino all the time and I play like a bunch of my buddies that are, live here, they want to play with the stars. So I kind of got used to playing with different teams. So. Mm-hmm. Jim, what about those
2: used to be your games back when you played man? I mean those are those are the best team those are the best video games to play against another human. Yeah. NHL and FIFA cuz the game speed is good. It keeps mo- going and like kind of anyone can play. Like if you play someone who's good in Madden and you're not like that's a bad time real quick. But I feel like you can get a good shell game out of out of a lot of people.
3: For sure. For sure.
0: Sounds like Taylor's kicking ass though, so I'm not playing. (laughs) Yeah, you're (laughs) out. I've retired from the video. We used to crush FIFA in college, but I only like playing. We would play two v two just all day. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that was a mess.
0: That's a mess. That's sloppy. Um, (laughs) so yeah, so you're you're living in in Dallas. I mean, are you amidst the chaos right now? Is it you know on your front front door?
3: Yeah. Um. So I was actually, (laughs) um, I was actually coming home. Yeah, we went to went to my girlfriend's uh, friend's party, and we're on our way home. We're driving up Main Street, and we're about to pull into my apartment. And they and we literally like as we're pulling in, we see them like they looted um, um, this vape shop down here. They like broke all the glass and everything, and they go up the street, and I saw them. Uh, you know, hit a, a coffee shop, they hit one of the sneaker stores down here. Politics, that was a really good spot as well. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been all around. But like these last couple of days, you know, they've done, uh, they started doing the curfew, and we, it's been, it's been like a ghost town in here. So they cut off at seven. And I'm going out to my balcony, and you can look down Elm and Main Street and just downtown. And it's like you can hear a pin drop, like it's, it's like that quiet.
0: Man, it's nuts. And, like, that's how it was with, uh, you know, Corona and all that. And now they, it's so weird, the whole thing. Like, we went from no people to so many people, and now they're mandating no people when they were mandating no people originally. Uh, it's crazy, man. But, I, I mean, I know that Trev played with some minor league teams. I think you guys may have played on the same. And, you know, Trev has told us, like, there's some towns in these minor league facilities that kind of live up to the issues that, you know, are being highlighted and and broadcast across everywhere, everywhere, every social media, every TV network. I mean, what was your experience like going to some of these smaller towns or just in baseball in general?
3: Um, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't really much of a shock to me, but like, it was, I I was kind of used to at time when I was younger, I played at fields that weren't the best, you know? And, uh, but going to these minor league parks that are just not the best either, like it, it 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 can be a shock as well because you know I don't I don't know if Trevor played Trevor did you ever play in the Florida state league?
1: I did. That's a horrible league.
3: <laughs> okay, so so he so he he was one hundred percent back me up on that. So when you <clears> go play uh, Dayton and day and uh, the the Cincinnati Reds high a team, you know they they like. You, your hotel's right on the beach. Like, you, you know, it, it lets you think you're about oh, to yeah. go to a nice park. You know, and then you pull up and, you know, the dugout is not that big and the dugout so so small that after I got done throwing, I had to go do my arm can. I'm coming out to go get a dugout. And I can't even – I got to sit outside. And there's, like, fans right behind me. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's – uh you, you, you know, and then also I was in Hagerstown, Maryland when I was with the Pirates or national, excuse me, at the time. And then uh, West Virginia with the Pirates also, that was, you know, those towns weren't the best as well. And then Bradenton, Bradenton wasn't bad either. But, you know, a lot of the places you go play, like they're, they're really, like, they're not that good. But you see why, like, baseball, why they eat, why there's so many people that go to the game because all they have in the that town. That's what they thrive in and, like, depend on.
1: Yeah, the Florida State League is, I mean the- – it's probably the best league for facilities. Daytona Beach is not one of the best facilities, but it is a fun hotel. I've, I remember having some good times there, um, but at least you have the facilities. You know, I've, I've told a lot of people this, you know, we didn't play at great high school fields um, in my league that I played in, but when I got to Pro Bowl, the fields were a step back 100%. And it's, it's a shock to me. Like it's, I it didn't matter that much to me, like I said, because I was a high school kid and fields were okay but for guys coming from LSU or you know some of these big time schools where they put a lot of money into these fields and these programs you're absolutely taking not one but probably two steps back in like the amenities side of things and the quality of the field it's it's a I think it's a eye-opening experience for a lot of people the the first year they get into pro like what this is this is interesting yeah
3: yeah especially you know low a and short season and high for sure but I mean, every coach I've ever had. I'll, I mean, I'm sure that you know. Well, they always say the higher you go up, the better the field gets. Yeah. I would say that's that's a that's, uh, that's a little interesting.
1: What uh? What part of we we talked before about just for the audience to know? What part of like your? I don't even know what to call this. Like your second off season. Like, are you in? Like, where are you at throwing wise? Uh, what are you built up for right now? Because we we talk about this all the time on the show, Like baseball is going to be here soon or it's not going to be here, but you got to be ready for it. Are you stretched out completely?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I've been I've been doing up-downs, uh, like, two innings um, and built up to at least, you know, 40, 50 pitches. And um, honestly, whenever whenever all that stuff happened, we came back down, I didn't stop throwing. So I was just ready, you know. I'm gonna keep, you know, continue to keep throwing. But like, I'm I'm at a good spot right now, you know. Got all the spring training arm cranking is out the way. So
0: you suffered two injuries last season. Like you were you were out with elbow, and then came back, and then or on the path back, fractured something again. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. So um, it was it was just crazy. But um, so before, like. It had, it had bothered me a little bit before my debut, but uh, when I got, you know, on the, day, on the debut as well, but um, uh, it was a grade one UCL spring. So I went down to Arizona, uh, rehab that, and then um, for six weeks, and then I'm about to throw, I'm about, like, literally, I'm throwing my last live BP about to hop in the game that next week, go, three, go throw in three games, and then, get shipped off to Nashville. So I get, I'm I'm almost done. I start feeling some like stuff in my arm. And I'm like, man, it feels like, it feels like somebody's like just flicking a nerve, like that nerve that runs on your elbow, like feel like somebody was just hitting it every time I threw. And come to find out it was a stress fracture that was under there. So then they had to shut me down for another six weeks. So um, needless to say, I was out in Arizona for the whole season last year and it was, uh, wasn't fun.
1: No, that's not fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> rehab rehab will steal your soul. Oh. You know, you, you got to go in there and be as mentally tough as you can be. And people might say, what are you talking about? Like you go, just go rehab. But it's, it's just, you want to be playing. You're a baseball player. And the feeling of like helplessness you have when you're on the DL, rehabbing something is... It's a, it's a tough thing to go through. Whether people want to believe me or not, you know, I'm saying it. I'm sure Taylor, you probably think the same thing. It's not a fun thing to go through. And then, yeah, you're spending your time in Arizona or Florida in these in these spring training sites, and it's hot. So anytime you go out, it's it's yeah, it's just a bad bad thing to to be going through. And so the, and the worst thing
3: that. is like yeah, the worst thing is like I've rehabbed in in both Arizona and Florida, and they were they were weren't good. But hey, you know, when you uh, you know we need that first that first month and a half you know not everybody can have a scott Heineman to rehab with but he made it a lot easier
1: yeah you're right he brings the energy if, if he brings anything at all it's energy every single day him, him and i have had some dust-ups in the weight room you can ask him about this i actually quit i, st- I took a week off in the one off season and i was like i need a mental break from you scott him and i were butting heads every single day because we both like we we're in this little gym and we're just getting after it, and you get competitive, and then you say something. He was popping off, saying stupid things, and I pop right back to him. And finally, I was like, "Dude, I need a break from this." And uh, we're we're like really good buddies. So I don't want anyone to think yeah. that he's like a an asshole or something. He's not. He's great. But but uh, that energy, man. Him and I, we, we butted heads. It was fun. It was it was a good
3: time. Now that I look back at, I laugh. I don't I don't see I don't see how. Like anybody could hate that guy. Scott is just, Scott is just awesome.
1: I could tell you. No, I'm just kidding.
3: Scott, you know, you know the the me and Scott went to during spring train. We went to the mall one day, right? And um, there was a Mike Trout shirt. And this guy, loves
1: he was Mike like,
3: he, go, he like looked at, yeah, he looked at it. And he goes, you know, you he goes, you know, you what you can call me now? And I'm like, what? Well, he goes, Mike Trout Mini. I was like, why? And I was like, you're not Mike Trout. He goes, yeah, I am because I'm be better than Mike Trout. And I was like, oh. Be big guy. Love <laughs> that.
1: That's him. That's
3: Changes him. Wikipedia.
1: Give
0: him the
3: name. But
1: also, if he stood next to Mike Trout, he might. He seriously, I don't know what he would do. Mike Trout would probably need
2: a restraining order after it. He probably. Would. <laughs> 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 oh man. Taylor, I want I want to ask you a little bit because man, I'm going through some of the numbers and dude, some of the strikeouts and innings numbers. I mean, they're where you got to be. Um and I, I want a little bit, and I want to make this into two different conversations, but like, what's your pitch mix? What what are you bringing? And then I kind of want to relate that to the Rangers staff a little bit this year, because like we mentioned to you before, we talked to Lance Lynn, and we're like, man, there's some dudes uh, in the Rangers organization right now. We left Kluber off, and Lance Lynn was like, I I hype Kluber up every day. Like, that guy's got Cy Youngs. So I, And I also want to relate that to being a lefty a little bit, because... Mike Miner, yes, he's a lefty, and I was gonna say maybe that's someone you lean on, but he also pitches differently. He uses that like high changeup, and it's awesome to watch. But also, other pitchers might not be able to use that. So, I want a little bit on your mix and how you've been able to kind of work with different guys within the organization.
3: Um, so my mix, so I throw. I got rid of my two seam fastball, but I throw a four seam slider and changeup. Right here, um, okay.
1: four seamer, yeah. right here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: That's lot of playing. those, lots of those um <laughs> <Godly>. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor. um but uh yeah, four seam change up slider, um, I actually tightened up my slider this this off season, I got it so whenever I was throwing a slider, it'd be like eighty you know eighty three eighty four eighty five and change up be like eighty eight eighty nine and I got to the point where I tightened it up, and i you know I watched a lot of video of Jacob DeGrom for a long time and you know I got to ask a bunch of people that were around him and like what was him and Syndergaard doing The reason why they were throwing like mm. these slides at like 92 93 miles an hour and come to find out they were throwing a cutter you know they just like manipulate just a little bit so I was always like man if I get just, because I'm always trying to figure out what can I do to take each pitch just that much better you know that that every year so this offseason I did a lot of research and trying to work with different grips and you know um, Jeffrey Springs, who is with us, he's with the Red Sox now, but uh, he said that Mike Miner showed him his grip, that like Verlander showed him about like the type of slider he throws and stuff like that, and he's like, man, I'm trying it out. And so he was throwing it, and it, you know, it was a tight spin and stuff, and um, I was like, you know what, let me try it. So like, I tried it out for about four or five pitches, and I swear my stuff was like, it was just hard, late, and everything, and it was coming out. So kept up with it, came to spring training first game, and I mean, they, they pulled me off to the side, and they were like uh, – our video guys were like, hey, uh, what pitches are you throwing? You started throwing a cutter now? I'm like, no, it But, like, yeah, we got up to 91 on the first game. So, I was like, oh, like, well, you know, that's exactly what I wanted, you know. So, um, but just like the arsenal, like you said, like, just – it's hard to – it's hard to – like, I can sit there and talk to guys about different approaches, about how they approach, you know – certain hitters just because, like, if I try to talk to Mike, you know, he can give me great advice and Lance as well. But I've come to realize, even in minor league baseball as well, but just coming through the ranks, like, everybody approaches every pitcher different, you know, and I'm sure Trevor can testify to it. Like, he's not – his approach ain't going to be the same, like, he when he would – like, if he would face, you know, righty Jacob DeGrom, then what he would face me the next time. Because, you know, they would obviously – he'd be looking for, like, different stuff. Mm -hmm. So – and so it's, I honestly just been learning just by myself over the last couple of years about how to, how guys are approaching me and what they're looking for and everything, asking hitters and stuff like that. So, um, I would say a lot of stuff I just learned on my own as well. And then working with my trainer, um, who's here. And, um, but yeah, just learning on my own, you know, because, you know, I can sit there like, well, like when I was with the Pirates, it, Mitch Keller would throw and then I would throw after him. And so I sit there and write the scouting report, and it got to the points where after like two games, and we faced like the Phillies and then over and over again, I'm like, I had to tell our pitching coach, I'm like, hey, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm writing reports on how they were pitching him, but I said, man, they're hitting me. They're like, approach is way different than mine, you know. And they were like, so, I think that's just one thing I learned, just trying to learn about myself as well, because you know I'm a different guy, you know, hard throwing lefty and you know different stuff than. Landed other guys. guy yeah when you so when you say go ahead uh, jim
0: i was i just want to know the the nitty gritty of like the cutter and slider like how different is the actual grip is it finger placement pressure points like if, if you were to show me one grip and then the other would i be like oh those are two completely things or would you have to actually tell me like no you see this is pressure here is it big change that those two different grips
3: um. honestly no it's just a, with with me it's just like it's just a, I don't even think really that much about finger pressure it's just more so just the grip you know oh, okay. so I was like thinking if I could just get something to where I don't have to think about throwing it and like manipulating just throwing like a fastball and then that was it and I got to the point I got more comfortable with it I would add a little bit at the end of where I'd snap my wrist just a little bit just get extra bite and stuff on it so like it to me it's just a grip
1: well I wanted to ask you when I, I mean, you're a nightmare, bro. Six, five <laughs> lefty that throws hard. Like that's, you know, you don't want to face that. Right. So I'm thinking about guys, other guys that are comparable to you, Josh Hader, Amir Garrett. These guys are tall lefties that throw hard and both of them and yourself included uh, starters in the minor leagues. Now, obviously haters closing games out. Amir has been in the bullpen for a couple of years now you I talked to Scott he said that you you want a job in the bullpen um in Texas is that something cuz i know a lot of pitchers have strong feelings about this are you like i'm a starter but i'll help in the bullpen or are you like hey man like maybe this bullpen thing is going to be my ticket to a long big league career do you have a lean one way or or do you just say i'm i'm there for whatever
3: um <clears throat> so i can <clears throat> i can do both but i think just something I've always enjoyed and I think just me just value and just believing in myself is like, I can start. Cause you know, I grew up watching Dontrell Willis, Randy, you know, seeing Randy Johnson, watching David Price, um, and seeing just a bunch of lefties come through. And I'm like, man, you know, like growing up and then starting to realize my stuff, I'm like, man, I got the similar stuff that they got. So, you know, I can do it, but you know, I just, I think the situation that we're in right now, I mean, you got a Cy Young guys in the rotation, you know, can't beat those guys as well so I'm always open to experiencing the bullpen just to get in the big leagues as well so I'm always open to that
1: so so that so now my follow-up question to that is starter you probably need a three pitch mix Um, you don't have to but I think that serves you well as a starter going through the lineup a couple different times Uh, a bullpen guy you could you could be a two pitch guy do you alter your pitch mix knowing that hey I'm going to be in the bullpen to start the year are you like gung-ho on two pitches, or uh, are you still going to mix in that, that third pitch as well?
3: No, I, I think I have to mix in that third pitch. I just think, like, with me, with them wanting me to be, like, uh, you know, before all this stuff happened, they wanted me to be a long guy out of the pen long and way. go three, you know, three or four innings. So I, I was like, I can't – I'm not going to sit there and try to limit it and be like, just cut it down to two pitches because, like, you know, I got faith in all three of my pitches. So, yeah. um but no, I I think even in like one inning, I gotta have three pitches because I don't want hitters to try to eliminate one pitch and then think that's all I got.
1: That's what and they would I, do.
3: That's good. That's a good mindset. Yeah, yeah.
2: And and I know players kind of can't let their their headspace go this direction, but also a and in, in in any baseball team in any year that uh, a three inning bullpen guy is becoming more and more valuable. You know, by the year. But this year, and I don't know if you've let your mind wander there, but, dude, if you can come in and throw three innings twice a week, that's going to be one of the most important roles on a lot of baseball teams this year. I mean, there's especially to start the season, and if guys aren't going to build up, I mean, it, like, that's going to be a massive role that we're going to see around baseball. And you're currently in that and, you know, an injury away, which happens to literally every baseball team, you're in the rotation. So have you, have you thought, like about that role do you let yourself get there is it like just get built up and get my stuff to the best it can be
3: uh honestly it's a mixture of both like i mean i i like it you know i like going the distance i like even and, if and stuff coming out of the pen you know anything mm-hmm. I, I can do to try to help the team you know uh that was something they came up to me and asked me about in spring training They're like hey you, you know we believe in you as a starter we want you as a starter but just right now like you know how do you feel about coming out of the pen you know for two or three innings, you know, being long relief. I'm like, I can do that. I'm like, just, just, you know, just give me enough time and spring training to get used to it and find a routine because it's not starting. That worked for me. And I said, I'll be good to go, you know.
1: Do you ever just sit back and dream about just mowing guys down for one <laughs> inning? Like, I just think of, like, guys, and I'm like, okay, a guy like you, you probably – what do you sit, 94, probably? Yeah. 94, 95?
3: Yeah, 90, 94, 95.
1: Like just one inning, just if you, okay, let me just ask you this. Hypothetically, I'm sorry. I'm, my mind is wandering now. Hypothetically, you're like, dude, I'm going to buy into this bullpen thing. I want to be a closer. I'm going to be a Rallis Chapman. You know, David Price did that his first year. He came up and was a reliever. I remember saying that guy should be in the bullpen for good. Clearly I was wrong yeah. about that one. he <laughs> know, got a pretty good career as a starter. Yeah. Um, but like if you were to just hypothetically just let it eat for one inning, what do you, what are you sitting at? Do you have that extra gear in there? Are
3: you, are you, are you hitting hunch?
1: Are you getting there?
3: Oh, I could for sure. You're getting it
1: going right now.
3: Yeah. I did like four, like four years ago. And As a starter? Yeah. Oh my God. But the thing is, is the thing is, is I have a, every, every year since then it's been like, Oh, I oh got bad lighting. Um, good. Every year, every year since then, it's been like just ninety-eight, ninety-nine. So it's like I got to get back to so one hundred
1: percent. You could get there. That oh, makes sure. ugh, man. <laughs> I have a yeah. thing for like lockdown relievers.
3: So it's in, but you know what? It's it's in the tank for sure. But I've as I've gotten older as well. Like I've learned how to add and subtract on fastballs. And just different, you know, mainly the fastball as well. So, like, instead of me coming in trying to sit 95, 98, you know, the whole game, I'm trying to. I started taping it back to where, like, I'll sit, you know, maybe ninety two and reach back for ninety five if I need to, you know. And then later on in the game, then that's when I'll really bring it out.
0: That's a skill. I that's mean, the that's, Verlander special, right there. Yeah,
3: that's that's, that's pretty. That's <laughs> I, don't think, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's really the Verlander special because I don't. Ugh. You know, he would start out what 90, 91 first inning, and yeah. then by the eighth inning, he's ninety-nine to one hundred. I don't know if I can do Dude, I don't
1: understand how he did it. And I, I faced him a ton in my career, and he'd be like, "Oh, Verdin, he doesn't really have his a stuff today." And then you're sitting in the sixth inning, and he's all of a sudden blowing ninety-seven. He's a he's mm-hmm. a freak, man. He's a freak. It's crazy. Yeah,
3: it, it's in there though because um, one game I do remember to this day, uh, we were playing Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's high A team. And I'm in the sixth inning, and I strike out the last two guys. And I remember hearing the third. My third baseman came up to me in the dugout, and he goes, uh, "The third, base, the third base coach, like, is shocked." And I was like, "Why?" He's like, "He said his first words to me is after the first bat." He goes, "He's still throwing 98 and we're in the sixth inning." And I was like, <laughs> "He was like, yeah." Show. I was like, "Yeah," I was just like, I was like, bro, that's what, like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it," you know.
0: We we were going through. <laughs> your uh baseball reference on Wikipedia and something that we were we were kind of surprised by or interested in is that you were drafted four different times you turned down three so how how did that go who, who was your like uh, you know who were you getting advice or or was it you or who was saying like and ah, nah, wait it out you'll get drafted cuz you know for for the people listening it was 22nd round no 36th round no 25th round no and then you get the the 5th round the fourth nope. time so i mean clearly <laughs> You're getting some good advice. It worked out. Uh, how did that whole How did that whole ordeal break down?
3: So, uh, what I think what a lot of people don't know is, so that first year, my senior year of high school, and I got drafted by the Pirates in twenty second round. I didn't even play my senior. I got hurt. What? I didn't play. Really? So I was so I I was I had strained my UCL in high school, and so the Rangers' doctor at the time he was like, hey. Um, you can you can't do anything yet, but towards the back half of the season, I was playing first base and outfield. But he's like, you can hit. He's like, you can't get on the mound yet. So I need I need pitch. I did I did one workout for the Pirates, um, one workout, and then they draft me out for that because they called me and they wanted to see me. So then I uh, go to San, San Jacinto Junior College in Houston, and uh, I go down there and pitch four innings and get hurt again, and then mm. you know. I was asleep on my couch in my parents' room and got a call from the Reds in 36 round. And then I just, and then just going through all that also, I just felt like, you know, I was ready for it, but wasn't like mature enough yet. And I think just like, I didn't, I haven't even shown people what I could do to, you know, get paid just a little bit. So then, you know, go to I had surgery. I had a stress fracture, so they put a screw in my elbow. So then I missed the rest of my freshman year, and then uh, they had some I had a med- medical redshirt issues as well. So then I got declared a sophomore. Didn't know it. Um, so then I get drafted by Twins in the 25th round, and you know didn't pitch. I pitched like eight innings that year, and then go to Oklahoma Baptist, and you know get drafted in the fifth round. But one thing, my advisor agent at the time was like, you need to go somewhere somewhere that's different new set of eyes on you and just new scouts so you can build up your stock but he's like these scouts have seen you since you were in high school and he's like so you need some new eyes to see so that's that's when I went to Oklahoma Baptist you know NAI school at the time and you know and you know the velocity was creeping up as well and then you know the champion conference championship game I got up to 99 and that was you know that was just, you know and my mom was happy too because she was asking me after the game she's like how do you feel I said I'm I'm upset that we didn't, you know, we didn't win, but I said everything I've went through and just was patient through the process and just like just basically investing and believing in myself, you know, it's gonna pay off. And then sure enough, get taken in the fifth round by the Nationals. So I was like, you know, the, the wait was worth it.
0: Yeah, there you go, worked out perfectly. And then and then you also got drafted four times, traded for twice the Pirates was it the same scout and, and crew that wanted you back out of high school that then traded for you? Because that's kind of yeah. cool if they were like, we still want you.
3: <laughs> they did. Uh, they were <laughs> still talking. When I went got traded over there, I remember my first bullpen. It was in Winston-Salem. And um, I'm throwing a bullpen in front of a bunch of their, you know, GMs and everybody. And they're like, man, why would you want to sign with us in high school? You know, and I told them straight to <laughs> up. I was like, well, you guys weren't going to pay me. Yeah, you no know? kidding. So I was like I was like, Y'all weren't gonna pay me. So I was like, why why would I sit there and try to take lessons? Why not just battle myself and go to school? But it was um it was it was a pretty cool thing to come full circle with that organization because you know, talking to a bunch of those guys over there, they're like, Man, you know, we've been watching since high school, you've been progressing and stuff. So it was it, it was pretty cool. I
1: mean, yeah, I'm if I'm an organization and we're doing a regular draft, we're doing five rounds this year, which is ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Crazy.
1: Regular drafts, forty rounds. The first ten rounds, I'm gonna go best player available, just you know whatever. After that, my the rest of my picks are gonna be six five and above <laughs> pitchers. Yeah, that's it, dude. Like I don't know why they don't more teams don't do that. Like obviously yeah. they saw something you like you were projectable. That's what they're gonna call you uh, until finally. How it, many
0: six five pitchers do you think are just in high school? I don't know. I've, I'm I'd guessing they all, all get them, drafted. <laughs> I would search for all of them.
3: And the thing is, some, though, like, there's there's no, like, there's 6-5 pitchers, but how many of them are lefty, though, is a real question.
1: Exactly. That's – it's even more to my point. It's like you – yeah, like, the, the whole this 25th, 24th, 23rd round, get out of here with that. Like, you have you have something you can't teach, bro. Like, you can't teach 6-5, can't – yes, you kind of teach lefty. But yeah. The, but the yeah. v there, I don't know, man. Like, it seems like a weird thing that that was the case for you, and then all of a sudden the Nationals snatched you up in the fifth round. Like, what? Yeah. But then good for you for betting was, yourself,
3: man. It was Yeah, but it was it was just a matter. I mean, it was – and Trevor, you know as well, like going through the whole draft process, like those teams will – those teams will like – when you're honest with them, and you ask asking them like – I'm asking teams like, hey, where do you see me? Oh, we got you 15th or 20th, you know, stuff like that. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, like, see ya, Whatever. You know what I mean? So, it got to the point where I got tired of it. And I just was like, look, I'm going to continue investing myself. And I got to the point to where I hit 70, 80 innings and did well and it showed velocity. And I'm like, it's out there. I'm like, now I'm just, you know, now try to take me at a spot that I like. So, you know, but, yeah, that whole draft process stuff is the most frustrating stuff ever, man.
0: And then, well, you you get to the Pirates and in 2018 you're in double A and your numbers are silly. Like you have a 14 – before they traded you had a 14-game stretch – like a 120 batting average against two something ERA. Were you kind of shocked that they, they then turned and traded you because you're, you're part of that triple A team and crushing it. Were you excited about the trade or is it just another step in the journey?
3: Oh, my God. it was, um, that was a lot of mixed emotions because a lot of those guys I had started, you know, been playing with since low a and, um, I honestly they I kinda I kinda I wouldn't say I saw it coming, but like the writing was on the wall because there was talks of it in the locker room because, you know, there was talk that the Rangers were interested, you know, in a couple guys with the Pirates, but I was like, man, I was like, man, I've been trading once. I was like, there's no way I'm about to get traded again. <laughs> you know, and then you know, pulling up to the ballpark, our video guys were like, Hey, um uh I get to the ballpark and video guys are like, Hey, um, the Rangers guy, you know, they get the list of like what scouts are here and it's like the Rangers brought like a high executive here. And I just like, "Oh, I wonder who they've seen." They're like, "No, they're here to see you." I'm like, "Nah, no, probably not." So I go down to the bullpen go warm up and I see this guy like following me to the bullpen. I'm like, "Oh, okay, so it is so it might be me." So um but no, nah, it was uh it was pretty crazy, you know. Um it was it was something that I kind of you know, would be would have always open to, but I honestly I, I had talked to a bunch of guys like in different sports that played for the hometown team. And, and so many of them told me just about like how stressful it is, how like you got family members always want to reach out at you and everything, you know. And I remember I, that, that year I had a conversation with my dad and I told him my dad was like, how would you feel, you know, if you got traded for the Rangers, you know, the next couple of years? And I said, I don't know. I said, I would love it. But I said, I wouldn't want to come here until like the end of my career and then my attitude and stuff started changing. I was like, you know what? I'd be open to it. And then sure enough, now I'm here, you know, and it's been a great experience. Hmm. So it's been, uh, it, it was a mixed emotion because a lot of the guys were pirates. I was cool with and love them. And, uh, I think what a lot of people don't know is, you know, before I got traded, I was actually about to get called up to triple play. So.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you had to go somewhere. You were just dominating everyone you faced for like,
3: well, yeah, see, I wouldn't say that, but then, um, I mean, when I got traded, that was the first thing I asked. Him. I was like, "Where you guys sending And They're like, "Oh, send you Frisco." Yeah. I
2: like, oh, oh. I was
3: like, "Damn, they didn't get the memo." I'm like, that's oh, right. sorry.
0: <laughs> I mean, but the ne- the next season you start at AAA, and then you make your debut, which probably isn't the most fantastic memory, uh, since it didn't. It was crazy. I just watched it, and I, I have one question for you. I won't make Go you ahead. relive it. Uh, uh, just one question: How did you keep your composure when Forsythe drops that ball?
3: Hmm.
0: I would have screamed um. <laughs> so loud. So you don't have to answer this if you want, but that was my own thing. Like, oh, oh, no, no,
3: fuck. no, 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 it's okay. It's Did okay. he stay
0: calm right there?
3: It's okay. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was, I was calm, but I, I kind of, I was already hard on myself because I knew I was injured and like, I was trying my best to get out of it. And, and when he dropped that ball, you know, I'm sure all you guys know, and Trevor knows as well. Like baseball is a crazy game in the world. When one thing happens, it's like a domino effect. So sure enough, yes. next pitch, he puts one in the six hole, and it's just like start running. I'm just like, well, you know, that's part of baseball. So, but um, I was, you know, I wasn't really too upset. Um, I don't even because like I'm thinking to myself, if he catches that ball, would they have left me out there for another batter? Because I was already at like I think 30 or some pitches. So I was like, they probably would have took me out. But. Uh, no, I was I was already hard on myself because I wasn't even worried about that. So
0: you you knew that when you're making your debut that you know something's up with your arm.
3: Um, I had felt well. I had I had like technically because I was supposed to pitch the day before in uh, Iowa, and so I I didn't throw at all. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll feel fine. So, so I go out and warm up, and everything's feeling good, and I get in the bullpen. And I'm like, dang, I'm glad I'm not, you know, okay. Feel like something's tweaking, but I'm like, maybe it's just nerves, you know. And I go out and warm up, and I spike the first warm up pitch. I'm like, oh, that thing will be good. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, just let's get out of the first inning and, you know, let's try to tell them, like, hey, you know, we, we need to get out of here. So, but, uh, no, nah, it was, I was feeling good up until that, you know. I did, I mean, people, but like, people thought I was nervous. And I think some of the best advice I got was from Jesse Chavez that year in spring training, Jesse was like, he was like, yeah, love him. And he was like, he's like the biggest problem is people, when they get called up to the big leagues, they get like shocked about it. He's like, don't be shocked from that call. He's like, be expecting it. So I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't trying to put a timetable on me trying to get called up to the big leagues. I'm like, look, I'm going to just continue taking it day by day in the minor league so that when I do get called up, I'll be ready for it physically, mentally, and everything. So like, you know, people knew, People thought I was nervous, but I really wasn't nervous. It felt like a normal game to me, honestly. It did. Like, it felt so normal because I was already knowing those guys in spring training. I had worked out with them before and just played against them, you know, in the minor leagues and stuff. So, like, it it felt like a normal game to me. You um, see
0: some weird weird baseball going on in that half inning too. Yeah. There was uh, some weird shit. <laughs> like, you show someone that and it's like, damn. There was uh, – there was like a cross up. There's a beautiful slider or chi- or curve you dropped in there for strike one. Umps decided it wasn't a strike, leads to a three one count. I was like, this is brutal. Just a domino. Hey, he effect um he,
3: the... he did have a tight zone, so I think that was his little initiation for me to the big leagues. So Who was like, it? Okay, well. do you remember? Oh, uh, I don't know, but I know for a fact. Like, oh yeah, we can. Go ahead, please look it up. Jimmy um...
1: BBD or Jim? I got it. Uh, Jimmy's so fast. <laughs>
3: he's, yeah, but uh, um... good at this. Yeah, but um. He had a tight zone because I know for a fact, you know, he had missed, you know, a couple pitches with me. But um I know Delano at the time, he he you know, he had argued with a couple of our players. You know how those umpires are in the people, like you know, it's okay. their show. So.
0: Trip Gibson.
3: Trip, younger Again? guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's trip. I'm gonna make sure to when the season starts back, I'm gonna make sure to go introduce myself to so. him.
1: <laughs> hey, be as nice as you can to these guys. It's a it's only gonna serve you well.
3: I know, you, I know, and it's so hard, man. <laughs> you, so hard, you, you, you seem
1: like you get it. Like you're—I don't see you as a guy that's going to let that like compound or anything like no. that. Like you were injured, had some weird things go on. and I always tell the story: um, four guys making their debut. If it doesn't go as they want, I planned, You know, like doesn't go as planned. Stephen Vogt, my guy. I love Stephen Vogt. He started his career over thirty-two. <laughs> Yeah, he got traded in the middle of that, ended up – so the streak was with, a Tampa, with Tampa. It carried over uh, in 2013 to Oakland. So this guy's 0 for 32, feeling like it's never going to happen for him. Obviously, we know what he's done with his career. He's had a great career. But even that year, 2013, he ended up starting all three games of the playoffs for them in the ALDS and even walked off uh, – had a walk-off hit in game two. So these times don't – you know, they don't last.
3: No, no, they don't. And, and, I think you already know and, that, but that's just a little yeah little story. But if I but it like like I said, like I I told my I've been telling people this as well. I'm like, if I had it my way to where like they gave me a, a, a certain way they're like, hey, you can go on your debut and strike and go seven strong, but not make the hall of fame or not get out of the first inning and make the hall of fame, you know? So it's like, Oh, I'll take, I'll take that one where that bad outing. Cause I'm a, I had a bunch of those in my career. So that's part of baseball, you know? Yes.
2: Yeah. And Taylor, a couple, couple quick things. If that slider cutter starts with a nine, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Uh, the, the numbers, the numbers will be there. Um, yeah, and by yeah. the way, Trevor Plouffe, when he starts getting excited about bullpen stuff, screw that, man. Get the pill right. to start the game. Do that for like six, seven years, and then get that bag for like 200 mil. We'll do that, oh, and then yeah, we'll worry yeah, about yeah, bullpen. Yeah. 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 Hey, there
1: is, let me say, though, there's bags to be had in the bullpen now. That was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the yeah, case four or five true. years ago. You yeah. yeah. guys are getting broke off now. Yeah. So, dude, yeah, I, yeah. Man, I just get excited about, when I think about your potential, in a, and what's cool about you, is you could do a bunch of different things uh-huh. with the ball. Yeah. So, like, people,
2: teams especially value that attempt. So, like, and whatever a, a happens, minute, I'm, I'm a, a fan. A minute ago, you said the first time you saw David Price, you wanted him to stay in the ball. I did. So we I did. did you, do you, you remember what he did for them in the playoffs? GM dude, yeah. Yeah, and it was he, awesome. He, he ended up doing Vandy, go doors. I didn't actually go there. <laughs> Taylor, I want to move us on to something, because the show's talking baseball, but we like to get silly and we like to get serious. I think this is going to be a silly part for a little bit, or maybe I'm totally off, but this is a note I, I haven't seen about a player in Kelsey who hooked this up. Um, it says that your grandfather, your father, and your uncles, three uncles are all former rodeo cowboys, and that you used to compete. I mean, can you bring us into that world a little bit? Because I, I grew up in Connecticut, man. I'm soft as hell. I got nothing. Um, so what's what's that world like?
3: Um, so my dad and my other, and one of my uncles, Wendell, they still rope. And then another one, um, Eldon, he said he's going to get back into it as well. Um, but yeah, so that was honestly, dude, that was the first sport I ever did. Like that was like before I picked up a baseball, basketball, football, it was a rope in my hand. So, and then, you know, they put me on a horse when I was four years old. And then it was like just game over after that. But yeah, so my grandpa, he was a, um. He was on the JFK Honor Guard. He was like the first African American in that and um, um, first African American to be a professional. And just, just, he did a bunch of stuff, basically, you know. And uh, he, uh, him and just going on road with my uncles and my dad as well. And then me competing as well. Like it, it helped carve me into a baseball player and just more, more of a patient person as well. Because, you know. Like I tell people, it's like baseball and rodeo are like the same thing as people may not believe with like an event I do, like tie down roping where, you know, you're on a horse trying to run, you know, your horse trying to run as fast as you can, trying to rope the calf and they run down in time, right? Like it's like similar to me throwing a baseball. It's like when I throw the baseball, I have no idea where it's going to go and, you know, what's going to happen. So it's the same thing with like tie down ropes. So, um, I think just, just from, Learning from them about you know going practicing. I mean, staying out practicing roping cows kids from from like early in the morning to late at night was something that shifted over in baseball to where like I had to have that same drive for a sport that's so like attention to detail. So, I mean, I've been as high as like Wyoming and North and South Dakota and you know so it's been um, it's been it's been a crazy journey. But like that's something like I already said I'm like into that's something I'm I'm gonna get back into. And then another yeah. thing is um um I just bought uh three fucking bulls, what, like two, three weeks ago? And we won um, on two, um, two of two them placed and we won um, ten thousand okay. dollars total.
1: I don't know what what do you what
3: is that? What did you do? <laughs>
1: you bought what?
3: So so you know you know like the bulls you see like in the PBR like rodeos that the, like the guys get on to like bull riding, right? So why okay. we mm-hmm. I bought I bought me and uh, Cody Allen went half and bought three of them and so um, you start, you buy them as like yearlings and stuff and you take them like these fraternities what they're called and um, you take them like tournaments basically and they put a machine on their back, it's like a training machine because they're young and they're babies so you know like you know and then the highest biggest ones like you know win the most money and mm-hmm. uh, but yeah like these are some big tournaments and stuff like they go for a crazy amount of money
1: Love
3: it.
0: So How come Madison Bumgarner isn't like your idol? We got lefty pitcher. He's also out there winning twenty grand as Mason Saunders in rodeos. Wait, so
1: wait, this is this is interesting. Are maybe are you just like better than Madison, but you just never really talked about it? Like, are you the number one roper in the big (laughs) league?
3: No, because he does. He does a different event than I do. Like he does team okay. roping, and I do I do calf roping. So it's a okay. whole different event, you know. But I mean, I'm sure his rope I mean, he won 20 grand, so his roping skills are pretty out there. Mine a little rusty because I haven't done it in a while. But you know, it's something that will never leave me, and it's something that you know that I can pick up and do. So maybe, maybe I, I'm sure he tie down rope as well. So I have to see if he does that. Maybe we can set something up. And up.
1: I have two questions that are probably gonna sound stupid in retrospect, but I gotta ask them. Okay. One, are you a do you rope lefty? Like is that Righty. a thing? Righty. Righty. Like. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that never. My next question is obsolete then, because I was gonna say, do you think it helped you develop arm strength when you were younger? But since you were doing a variety.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, right. I think it was- uh, Dumb question,
1: Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> no, My mind I, I was spinning. I'm I like, dude, should we get some roping classes going on for guys? I thought, <laughs> clearly not.
3: I mean, it's, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, it's good um, um, wrist rotation work and good shoulder work. So maybe it's something that we can try to incorporate into the throwing program, you know, with line. <laughs> Hey,
1: it's got to, you know, it's got to help your grip, right? Finger pressure, like that hand strength. I'm just saying a lot of people do things early in their lives that over and over and over. okay, I'm going to give a story now. I'm just going off on tangents now, whatever. Stay with me here. My dad, (laughs) your family was Ropers. My family were pool men and my dad still is a pool man. He's been doing it for 40 years. Maybe longer, fifty years. Anyways, going through the I'm sorry, going through the pools. He's dragging a net through the pools. Has a pole in his hand. Going forty years over time. His forearms are massive. His hands are so strong. I've I've never seen him lose an arm wrestling match. And I, whenever anyone brings out one of those grip machines, he is like they've never seen anyone grip as strong as him. And it's because of that. So like built up over time, he just has these massive man muscles in those certain areas i gotta feel like roping's probably benefit you a little bit
3: i'm sure i i think so i think it probably has and you know i kind of want to wonder if i was a right-handed thrower, however my shoulder and stuff like would i ever have arm interest because of that you know interesting but you know i'm interested to see how big your dad's forms are i might i'm going to check that out because i'm sure he would <laughs> yeah. his grip strength would probably be crazy it's
1: yeah he's a big boy i'm i'm like the runt of the family so he's uh it's cool though. Like I, I think about that, like what has, and I feel like a lot of professional athletes probably have, I'm not a lot, but there's, there's some that are, that have done things their whole life that they probably didn't even realize uh, that they were doing that helped them in their athletic career. You know, whether it's something mm-hmm. with their eyesight, you know, what kind of work they did, you know, uh, you know, guys in you know, Latin America, they grow up hitting sunflower seeds with skinny bats like, and bottle caps that that stuff right there helps you become a good hitter because I mean what does the ball look like after you're hitting bottle caps? Yeah. Like I'm who right. who just was doing that? I just saw somebody doing that online. Was it Miguel Cabrera doing that with his son? Like sh- hitting bottle caps.
2: Yo, Poppy. It was Poppy. It's, it's, a, it's
1: really
0: big in the DR, right?
1: Yeah. Like stuff like that, you're just playing as a kid having fun. That develops your skills immensely.
3: This kid was in some cage bombs. I saw that on oh
1: yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. Jake, did you do something that helped your athletic uh, abilities when you were clearly? Up?
2: Clearly, no. Um, I I had another moment earlier in this. Well, I'll I'll run through all the Jake jokes I missed. A, I also didn't play my senior year, but I did not get drafted. Um, coach's decision. <laughs> Nor
0: did you get injured. Uh,
2: and the other, yeah, the other thing that I was just thinking about, man, it's, um. Like you said, Dontrell Willis and Randy Johnson, um, two guys with just filth, just like disgusting stuff. Do you ever have a moment, like, I don't know, maybe your head's hitting the pillow at night and you're like, I do that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I pumped that. Like, that's, that's I will not know that feeling. So that's why I ask.
3: Um, Fair question. Uh, just say yes. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not gonna lie. I do. But, you know, there's a there's always there's a big part of me that's always like, how hard can we really get you to throw, you know, but <laughs>
2: I'm
3: not I'm not I'm not I'm not like trying to bash or anything. But I'm like, you know, I kind of like where at right now. It's Like, it's a good spot. It's like, you know, it's enough where so I can add and subtract on it. But you know, oh, yeah. Especially, hey, especially like after a day where I have like ten or twelve strikeouts. I go home that night and I'm like I like sitting in my bed, I'm like, dang, I just like gas those dudes up with 97. That <laughs> that's nice. Uh, I mean, that's, that's nice. nice. I I think about that all the time though, you know, because it it's one thing one thing I love seeing and I'm you know, I know Trevor hates it, but anytime I get a guy to swing and miss and like my fun like the biggest thing I love is when I hear Hit or swing, and you hear them make like a noise, like Oof, or something like that. I'm just like, oh <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying to take me a yard. I'm like, let me gas him up a little bit more or something, you know? <laughs> or like, they that, foul, we foul a ball off, they make that noise. You're like, oh, okay, all right.
1: <laughs> Honestly, it's like a guy like you, you're saying you're throwing your four seam a lot. I think about a bat where a guy will throw it under, under my letters, you know, right above my belt, and you just foul it straight back. And you're like, okay. But then yeah. all you guys have to do is throw it three inches higher. Our eyes light <laughs> up like this, and we swing and miss. And that's, that's been yeah. my experience with those pitches. And It is. I'm sure you're, like, it, a lot of joy out of that, and I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. I'm like, wow, I knew that pitch was coming. I knew I couldn't hit it. But, like, Kit Henson in a league of their own can't hit him, can't wow. lay off him.
3: Name drop. That's How about that one right there? right there? Was that pretty good or what? That's what. My- Wow. It was
1: quick. Well, oh, Donnie like that. Henson said it, but Kit right. Henson couldn't hit the high heater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heavy.
2: Heavy.
3: That's That's a good one. one. I got to watch that movie tonight. <laughs> I love that movie, man. I did.
0: There's a show coming out all about uh, the league soon, I think. Or really? <clears throat> yeah, the... The comedian, the woman from Broad City, Ally something, mm-hmm. she wrote like a book about it and did like real research. And I think they're, they are they they yesed uh, like a show all about uh, the female baseball league. It oh, had really an cool. awful name. Do you remember the name, Jake? No,
2: I nothing.
1: What are what are you watching right now? We've we've been through quarantine. Yep. We've been home. What's the content you're 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 taking in right now? What are the Ooh. recommendations
3: for the fan base here? Boy. Um. Jeez, what have I been watching? Um, I don't know if you guys have you, have you guys seen Lucifer?
1: I've seen I haven't, it. I have.
0: I've I haven't always been. It. I've always been meaning to start you, you it. Have didn't they watch it. Yeah.
3: Right, they're, com- they're coming. They're coming out with more season. But Lucifer, Lucifer was one show that I got hooked on. I didn't really think much of it, but one of my buddies from Cali told me about it. Um, and I promise you, I mean, I'm coming home from workouts. I'm watching three or four episodes a day, like trying to crush because it's that addicting.
2: Okay. But, okay
3: lucifer um (laughs) i've seen it multiple times i'm like their biggest fan but family guy i'll sit there i've watched all 17 18 seasons every episode and every time i get done watching i start back over again and when they come out a new episode i jump to it
0: damn but
3: but like i can i can can sit there and quote family guy with people all day so
0: okay um the the league was called the AAGPBL, so it is an awful name. The wow. All American Girls Professional Baseball League.
3: Okay. okay. Wow, that's a, yeah. that's a pretty. <laughs> it's cool
0: a lot. One. <laughs> but they're coming out with a show. I'm excited for the show and league Where, of their own.
3: What what is the what is the show supposed to be coming on?
0: I don't know. We got like a press
3: CW something or? about it. Let me see. What was the think one Um. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. I'll check it out. Um, I'm looking for stuff. It, w-
0: it was FX.
3: Yeah, but uh, Netflix bought it though. Um, okay. okay. I tell you one one movie you guys are probably going to get disappointed in <laughs> that I haven't I haven't seen all the way is Bull Durham.
1: Uh I'm not a Bull Durham fan either. Trev doesn't I, like it.
3: I haven't I, I haven't I haven't really got into it like that. I didn't really think it was like it was okay. Yeah, because you played in the minor leagues and you're like, this is kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, you know. But like, a at the of-
0: time, they say it was the. Best representation. It saved minor league baseball, too, which is cool. No one was going to games, mm-hmm. but then they made that movie and they saw, like, the crazy clown and, the car- and like, the carnival atmosphere of minor league baseball, and people started going and supporting again. And, and now look at minor crazy. league
1: baseball. Way to go, Jim. That's <laughs> I
3: didn't get the movie. <laughs> Tough. Bull, Bull Durham's one. Um, I'm trying to think. What's the other what's ones I haven't seen? I mean, the ones I have seen, like Sandlot, uh, both of those, um, a League of Their Own, uh, forty-two, uh, Mister Three Thousand.
1: I like Mister uh, Three Thousand. I gotta watch that's that. That's a again. That's a funny one. That's a great. That's oh a great my movie.
3: <laughs> Mister Three Thousand. Uh, try to think what else. There's a there's a good amount of like baseball movies I, I've seen and haven't seen, but you know, man, Mister Three Thousand is a really good
1: one. That is a f- that's
3: a hilarious movie. Oh yeah,
0: Amazon. I can eat it. It's gonna what be what? called A League of Their Own, and it's on Amazon. Okay. Boom.
3: Really? TV show. Yeah. So,
0: wow. hopefully it's good.
3: Really? Let's hope Damn. so. I hope it is. I like I like that stuff, though.
2: Yeah. Good. The league is crazy. Um, I mean, Taylor, I, I I could go through Dallas food with you all. I'm In my head, I'm back in West Village. D- Dallas was a weird time in my life. I was single and young and kind of on my own. I, I had a lot of fun in Dallas. Yeah. Um, but again, I think we save that for another time. Um, I don't know, man. We we normally we normally wrap up with if if there's anything you want to hype up your own Instagram account, but I I don't know, man. A lot of people want to talk about a lot of different things right now, so I mean, the the floor's yours, man.
3: Oh, you know, I'm I'm always open to having any type of conversation like people want to have. So, I mean, I mean, I guess I guess it would be kind of sad or not not sad but you know it'd be kind of messed up if i didn't you know try to say something about what's going on also what's going on right now in the world you know and um, it's a it's a tough time for sure um but i think just just as like an african-american guy that's experienced racism myself you know it, it's a it's a tough thing to to um to even i mean i guess not try to comprehend but also just try to explain to people if that may, you know if that makes sense like and and i get it like a lot of people you know a lot of white people aren't going to understand it and, and like it's not my i'm like i'm not trying to sit there and say like you know i need some when well how do i put it i guess i know you guys wouldn't understand but like you know like i was trying to tell somebody yesterday i'm like you know but people don't want to have that type of conversation like it's hard to even have that type of conversation with anybody you know because it's like you know, nobody wants to, everybody wants to talk, but nobody wants to listen, you know? And it's like, I think that's one thing we need to do is start being more vulnerable with each other and just, you know, being open and just be more understanding, you know? Because, you know, Trevor Trevor knows as well, like, you know, in baseball, you you meet and you play with a whole bunch of different ethnicities, you know, and I love that because that's what helps bring us together. And there's a lot of things I've learned, like learning Spanish and just learning how, you know, guys in Colombia are just different countries that, you know, don't have like what we have, you know, and like they go through pretty much sometimes the same stuff, but just different, you know? And so I think just with, with me being an African-American guy as well, and just playing in a, you know, predominantly white sport, that's like, there's not that many black people that play it's tough, you know, it's pretty hard because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we can and can't say. We kind of got to be a little careful about it because we're, walking a fine line you know where it's different if we were playing basketball or football you know because it's more of us but there's only like six percent of us that are in the major league and it's tough so um i think the biggest thing we can do and something i'm, I'm doing as well is just trying to get back into the community and community and try to just bring continue to bring people together and also just trying to um just try to have people just understand it you know not trying to push i hate when people try to push stuff off the side and think you know it's just like a phase like no it's something that's been going on in the world for a long time so um i'd say just the biggest thing is just you know i hope people are starting to wake up and start to see it now and nobody you know stop stop trying to put it under the rug and just realize it and just you know just be open to it and just try to you know treat african-american just black people in general just you know fair as well you know because i mean I don't know. How, I mean, I've talked to a bunch of player, black players as well. Like we talk all the time. Like it's hard for us, you know, because I went to, I go to Walmart and go to stores, you know, I, I've numerous times, especially in Arizona. When I first went out in Arizona, I went to Walmart and surprised. And I had three times where I go in Walmart and coming out, I've seen ladies and just people like lock their doors. I'm walking by and I'm like, I'm not going to do nothing you. Like I'm just walking in my truck, you know? So um, it's tough. It's hard, but, um, you know, um, it's something that I think will continue to bring us together as a country as well. But uh, I'm, I'm happy and thankful you guys are open to it and just, you know, love talking about it as well. Because most people like to shy away from conversations like this.
0: Yeah. Last episode, we kind of opened with that, like we're not going to shy away from it. And I think the biggest thing, and it's almost becoming a cliche, but it's good. It's like, I understand that I don't understand, but mm-hmm. I know it's real and it exists. Right. And... It's crazy, and especially you know, baseball is this a different sport where you know it's predominantly white fan base, and the percentage of black players has been dropping. Uh, you know, yeah. as soon as really the NFL took off in the '80s and the NBA took off, and we ha- we have we have a show and that we're planning on doing about all about this. A guy that works for us, uh, Keith, because so we we like research all these scholarly articles trying to figure out like what happened because you watch any game from the late 70s or 80s, there's a lot of black players and they're like dominating the sport. Yeah. And it's awesome. And, and you know, it kind of coincides with the rise of college football and the NBA stardom and just a faster path to stardom uh, and like, you know, minor leagues. But yeah. it's crazy. It, it, it It's especially baseball's history and being the sport that it is. And it's crazy. So I'm, I'm sure your journey has been... Harder than the average, you know, minor league player pitcher.
3: Yeah, it, it. I mean, it has been because I mean, growing up, since I started playing baseball, I was the only black kid on every team I've ever played on. You know, and then when I get to college, there's maybe one or two guys, and you know, I'm still stuff there. You know, most of the towns that we went to or just played in, you know, it was a lot of racism there. So um, it's a it's a it's a very it's a tough thing as well, but also. Um, you know, it helps me think, it helps me personally think about like all the stuff Jackie went through, like none of this stuff that like I'm going through, I went through was anywhere near as bad as what he went through, you know, but it's the same stuff, just not as severe, I think. But um, it's, uh, it's definitely a tough thing. And, and like, it's hard. Cause that's something I've been doing since I got into professional baseball. I was trying to continue to I put on a bunch of camps and just, you know, go give lessons to all types of people. But, you know, I drive to go see people and mainly trying to continue to push at, you know, black people to play baseball, but it's so hard because they see that it takes such a long time to get money in baseball. They're like, they need it in basketball and football, which is a lot quicker. But the biggest thing I think that like, um, that's frustrating is like, they don't want, they don't want to invest and put time into it. They want it like quicker and easy. And I'm just like, it's not like that, you know? And I said, it took, it took me a, a, you know, Three, four, four years to get to the But I said it's worth it, though. You know, and and but the one thing that's hurting it is also all these perfect game tournaments and stuff for like stupid amount of money, costing yes. parents thousands of dollars. It's a billion dollar money. industry now. Yeah, and that's what's running off a lot of the Afri- like black people. So I'm trying, so like I've been working and trying to figure out ways to, like put on tournaments and like showcases for you know black kids to like not just in Dallas but just in all inner cities in the world just to showcase their talent you know because um, there's a lot of talent out there I mean shoot I mean a bunch of the like, kids I work with that played baseball I mean they pick up on stuff like really quick and they're crazy athletic you know and mm-hmm. it's a, it's sad cause I'm like man like your chances of making it in the NFL and NBA get get slimmer and slimmer as you get through college like it's only like a 3% chance you're going to make to NFL because it's only a 53-man roster and it's like 2% to make an NBA cuz you know what twelve guys on a roster, so I'm like, your chances of making a baseball are a lot higher, you know, and yeah. you know there's more there's starting to be more of us coming, but you know it's it's a slow but steady process
0: and there's there's some things that are getting put in place, which is better. I know Michigan, University of Michigan, like they're like predominantly scouting in urban places now and not from these showcases and all that. Mm-hmm. and then pitching ninja, Rob. His flat ground app is really yeah. helping kids get noticed that can't afford these showcases because they just yeah. they, they priced everyone out, which is so crazy because you just need a ball and a stick to play it, you know? Yeah. It's not like you need a whole football field and all these pads and stuff. Like, it, it should not yeah. be an expensive sport to play.
3: No, it shouldn't be, but it's, it's, it's hard to when you have um, – because, I mean, I was just talking about it with somebody – um, earlier, but I was like, man, it's so hard and different than whenever I was in high school. There was only, you know, in the Dallas metroplex, like, there was like twenty, thirty, you know, good, legit summer league teams. Now it's like there's a fifty of them, and it's like yeah. everybody's like, well, you pay two thousand dollars up front, that's gonna get you in like two tournaments. It's like,
2: you know, it changed dude.
3: so much, you know. And and I got to the point to where I started telling, I started telling a bunch of high school parents and stuff that are asking me like, hey, what can I do to get my kid noticed so can get out there. And I tell them I'm like, if you want to go to these showcases, that's fine. But if you go to these college um, like camps at a young age, like that's where most of them are getting them guys. Because like most of the time, when I like at OBU and stuff, like I would ask them where, like you know, where you get this guy from and stuff. Oh, he been coming to our camps. He was like 13, so I, I know him. So that's you building a relationship, and it's you know what 80, 70 dollars for a camp. Okay. I'm like, that's way much better than going to a perfect game and running a 60, playing two games, and expecting, you know, getting a grade skill and, like, working off of that. It's like, no, it's like, why not just take it slow and just go to the, a different college, go to the University of Texas, all these type of schools just to get your name out there. It's a lot I, of- I,
1: you you kind of answered my question, but I've long said that I think baseball can be the most inclusive sport just because it's a skill sport. You don't have to be boring to play it. I mean, dude, if you're not six four the NBA is probably not a possibility for you, you know, no, like some, some guys can, taller. you gotta yeah. be tall in the NFL. You gotta be big and fast. And that's, those are things that guys are are mostly born with But baseball. You can learn how to do something you can, and you watch the game and there's little guys, there's big guys, there's black guys, there's white guys, there's Latin guys, yeah. there's Asian guys. So it being that inclusive, like what, what can MLB do or what can, people do to increase the amount of black players in the game? Cause like Jimmy said, I mean, in the seventies and eighties, like things were going perfect for that. And then all of a sudden now we're looking at it. And like you said, there's like 6%. That doesn't make any sense to me. So like, what, what do you think baseball can do to, to get more, um, African-Americans to play the game?
3: I think, I think the urban youth Academy thing is, is like, is okay. I think it's. I think it's a good good deal. I think it's awesome. But I think in order to really really get the results that everybody's looking for, and like what they keep preaching on, is to really get out there. But just having guys like me and just other league guys going into these communities and like, talking to these parents and these kids at a young age and just trying to tell them. But also, I think also just if you build like nice baseball facilities in those you know in those communities, like they're gonna come to it, you know? And that's where, True. that's where, like, I that's something I want to do is like be able to put nice baseball facilities in the inner cities to let them know. Cause you know, nice things always attract people. So it's like, if I put a nice baseball facility and put out on the thing, like, Hey, come out for baseball trials and stuff. A lot of kids are going to be like, Oh yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to play here. Like I'll try out all day, you know? Yeah. And then, but also just educate the parents on it all the way up into it. You know,
1: my, my thought is, let's stop selling the dream of millions of dollars in, in, Mm -hmm. in pro sports because that it happens. We see it happen. It's highlighted, but we all know the numbers on that. They're like, they're just very slim that that's going to be you, but there's a ton of college scholarships out there for grabs. And that's like what, when I was coming up, that's all I ever cared about was like, dude, I want to go to college and I want to pay, I don't want to pay for college. Like Mm -hmm. that was my goal. The rest of this stuff happened, but like, I think parents, and no one specifically, just parents in general. That should be the goal. If you want if you think your kid has some talent, don't think about big leagues. Don't think about the NFL or the NBA. Let's think about getting a free education and then we'll see where it goes. Like that's that's where the focus should be, instead of, hey, I'm not gonna play this sport because the payday is further down the road. Like, no, forget about the payday, dude. Don't worry about that. Let's get free education. So you're not straddled with, you know, student loans or whatever. You know, like that's to me, that's the way that people should start approaching it.
3: I think so, I I, I 100% agree with you. And that's something I've been trying to tell parents and, and kids as well. Like, everybody sees Garrett Cole getting these, you know, $300 million deals, Mike Trout, $400 million is like, you know, like, did you ever really think and realize like how much stuff and just all they went through just to get to that point? It's not like they came out in the NBA in NFL, and got 21 guaranteed, and then you know played for three years. and got another fat contract. It's like, no, it's like you know, it takes it takes time to to get that paper. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's uh, it's it's I just think it's it's also the definition of just how the world is nowadays. You know, everybody wants to get get like the get rich quick scheme. You know, but like so yeah. nobody wants taking the time to be a patient. So. It's uh, it's a tough thing. It's a battle like we're trying to deal with as well. But you know, it's a steady process.
2: All
1: right. Well, t- tag your Twitter and uh, we'll we'll do it for you too. But if you want to shout it out, Twitter, Instagram, go follow. Yeah.
3: Our um, um, what is my Instagram? I think my Instagram is like tHearn21, and then Twitter is tHearn14. But yeah.
0: Awesome, man. We appreciate you coming on. And, uh, yeah, stay on the mound. Stay starting. Don't listen to Trev. Yeah. Win 20 games. Yeah, man. <laughs> get in yeah. the Black Aces hey. community. I know CeCe yeah. said that's, like, his yeah. most his favorite accomplishment is, the, is being a uh, in the Black Aces, better than Cy Young yeah. and all that shit. I so, got that
3: grid too, man. I I, was, I want to get in that so bad. I agree. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. I want you to do that, too, but I want you to be in the – first and foremost, I
1: want you to be in the big leagues, dude. That's – Right. Let's get to the show, we'll, and then and, we'll uh, – You'll pitch your way into whatever role you pitch your way into. So let us
0: know when you're buying your next bucking bull, and we'll just go in with you. Okay? Yes, I would so, do okay. that. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Let's do We're it. Helping. I got you guys. Uh, one is, <laughs> so the, the funny thing is, like the, com- the the cattle company that they're under is actually owned by uh, on, he played in the Bo Mills, and the cattle company is called Red Laces from you know Laces of Baseball. So
1: okay, okay, pretty cool thing. Cool. I think we're we're super into that. So,
2: tell them you just gave them an ad and to hook it up. (laughs) Oh sure. Yeah, yeah. Hook that up. Uh, Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, dude. If you if you need to push any baseball community stuff through us, reach out. We are we we are down and we are. Let's get kids playing uh, baseball.
3: Yeah, we need some. Yeah, I appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate you guys having me, though. All right, dude. All
0: right, man. We'll see you out there. All right, there you go. Touched on a lot of topics there. Minor leaguers, uh, being drafted a bunch. It's funny that he kept getting drafted without ever pitching. He was like, well, wait till you see me pitch. You might take me higher. And then finally, I thought it was actually a very interesting nugget that his agent was like, hey, you need to go to a a different scout zone yeah, because all these people have seen you before. That's an aspect of trying to get drafted that I
1: never thought about. I mean, come on, scouts. I mean... How do you not know or see this guy everywhere? Like just to me that that seems crazy and I talked a little bit about like my draft strategy. Since I am commissioner of all baseball, I do have a draft strategy in place of just in case I need it.
0: It would be embarrassing if you
1: didn't. First 10 rounds, best athlete available. After that, I'm just going for massive potential upside arms 65 or above. I thought I was being progressive with that, then I started to think about something you guys are going to like this. That's what the Yankees do. At least that's what they used to do. When you come up through the minor leagues, every Yankee staff has some big mf on the mounds. 6'5 or above, they love to do that. I saw the entire minor leagues, and I don't know how many guys kind of worked out for them. In my mind, I don't think a lot. Phil Hughes, sure, big big guy. Dallin, Dallin Betancis. Dylan Betancis, yeah. Uh, so... It's not a foreign concept but man that's what I would be doing especially with all this new technology and new ways to teach guys how to use their body the kinetic chain is getting activated i bet on potential all day long now Okay
0: that's just for your one strategy I like it I like it And uh, you know we did touch on on you know the issues at large right now at the end there which is a good conversation, and man, you know, When you look at the numbers of uh, black athletes in baseball, it is crazy. Like you know, Jake and I did the watching baseballs, and they were a lot of stars, not just everyday players, stars, black stars in baseball. The Yankees, at one point, you know, was all, and then it just it got cut in half the percentage. Keith, Keith, and I did a lot of research on it because we want to do a uh, uh, like an own sh- it's a show on it. What happened, you know? And it really coincides with magic and Jordan, and then you know football. Football becomes huge, and like Taylor said, it's that instant. It's that instant money which these young kids want and need, uh, instead of the earn your stripes and slow shit of the baseball system. It'd be
1: changing now with the minor leagues um, shortening up, going to three teams or three leagues or whatever the heck they're doing. So. Yeah, it might get a little better. It's one step,
2: so. And, Jim, right. what was what was the not fun fact Fun fact from that research with Keith? Wasn't it uh, who was the last black third baseman? Name
0: a black third baseman.
2: It's
1: very tough. Josh Harrison.
0: Yeah. Uh, Honestly, yeah. In the, in the, before that, it's, very, like, it's there's, very tough. It's a weird position. It's not, you know, a hot corner pos- Like, you can name Charlie Hayes, and you can name guys, but, like, last like all-star it was terry
2: pendleton It's a long time ago that's a long time ago it's very interesting
0: yeah we we found this scholarly article that broke down by position and decade and you know at first um it was a lot of pitchers it was just a lot of pitchers and i I don't want to say i don't remember exactly what it was but it was interesting to see the breakdown and the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows and We got all these scholarly articles and read about. Hopefully we do something with it in the future once we get back to the office and and can kind of like, you know, map out shit.
2: It's cool. Are you in deep thought, Jake? No. um, Jess just fed the dog and it's like before his feeding time and we're just wrapping up and I I don't know. Okay. It was surprising.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I think this is Friday's show, so have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. (laughs) with another guest lined up that we're recording tomorrow. Have a good weekend. Stay safe.